cocaine has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. We've done shows on the benefits of stimulating the spinal cord with small amounts of electricity to reduce pain. That's called spinal cord stimulation. It's like a cardiac pacemaker, but it's for the spinal cord instead of the heart. We've also done shows on directly stimulating parts of the brain with small amounts of electricity to control pain. This is called deep brain stimulation and motor cortex stimulation. Now, we're going to delve into how we can suppress pain by stimulating a nerve that lies in the neck called the vagus nerve. The therapy is called vagus nerve stimulation, and the results will astonish you. It's approved by the FDA for treating epilepsy and depression. It's a newly explored therapy for pain that requires surgical implantation of an electrode placed around the vagus nerve in the neck. This electrode is connected to a battery that's implanted near the collarbone. There are even newly developed transcutaneous, that is, forms that are applied to the skin, of vagus nerve stimulation that avoid surgery and may help with headache and other pain conditions. Our first guest is Jean Haas, a middle school and high school science teacher with seven years of severe fibromyalgia. She'll share the dramatic effects of vagus nerve stimulation on her pain, ability to think, and capacity to function in life. Then Dr. Benjamin Nadelson, professor of neurology at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai and director of the Pain and Fatigue Center joins us. He'll talk about the potential for suppressing pain with vagus nerve stimulation, side effects from the therapy, and the hope for applying this new technology to a broad array of medical conditions. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, Teva Pharmaceuticals, Millennium Laboratories, My Life Patient Program, and DC2 Healthcare, and The Pain Community. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. Jean Haas had widespread body pain from fibromyalgia that significantly limited her life. That all changed, though, after she enrolled in a study that used vagus nerve stimulation for pain control. Jean, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. First, tell us what kind of symptoms you had related to fibromyalgia. Um, the pain was basically encompassed my whole body. Yeah. Every joint, every muscle, everywhere. Mm. It was intense nerve pain. It was intense muscle pain. It was intense joint pain. Wow. I know you were diagnosed with both fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome in 2005, but your symptoms started earlier than that, I think around 2002. What were they? I was pregnant with my second child, and I started having um, just intense knee pain Mm -hmm. in both knees, and then from my knees, it went to both ankles. So I'd have knee pain and then ankle pain and then hip pain. 
and it just kept spreading on both sides of my body into the major joints. Yeah. And then once all the major joints of my body were hurting nonstop, it kind of started going into the smaller joints hmm. and pain. And it just, any movement, any touch, anything I did, I felt like... Um, Somebody had ripped an arm off my body. The pain was that bad. Yeah, you know, I've seen patients like you who've had extreme sensitivity to touch. And I've also had patients with fibromyalgia who said to me, you know, I woke up one morning and boom, widespread body pain. Before that, I was absolutely fine. Exactly. And they thought it was pregnancy related at first. I was kind of poo-pooed for quite a long time because... They figured, oh, the baby was sitting on a nerve, or the baby was doing this, and it was all in my head. So the doctors thought that it was related to your pregnancy? Not necessarily. I had had a couple of different brain injuries during um, my life as far as concussions and stuff, and they, mm-hmm. they tend to think trauma after trauma after trauma, and then maybe the pregnancy was the last thing my body could handle. Yeah. That can cause... Um, your body just to basically say, I give up. Yeah. We've done a show on the pain that Elvis Presley experienced, and it's thought that concussions or brain injuries that he sustained in his life mm-hmm. set up an autoimmune response that led to his pain. Now, you mentioned joint pain, muscle pain, nerve pain. Did you also experience any abdominal pain or headaches from the fibromyalgia? I had abdominal pain. Um, I was also diagnosed with irritable bowel. Yeah. I had complete brain fog. Wow. If you've ever had the flu, it's that feeling that your head is put on backwards. It's best to describe it. You have no short-term memory. You feel like you're just foggy, and I had that. Mm-hmm. I lost about two years of memories wow. during the worst of it. Right after my daughter was born. And how about headaches? Um, I would have some headaches, not as bad as other people. Uh-huh. I would have some headaches, though. I have patients whose sleep is completely disrupted from fibromyalgia. Yeah. Is yours? Oh, yeah. I still don't sleep very well. Um, I had to sleep with um, basically pillows between every body part because I couldn't have my arms touching, my legs couldn't touch, my husband couldn't touch me. It um, was terrible. Wow. Nothing was comfortable. No position was comfortable. Nothing was working. That must have been terrible. Yes. yes. And Jean, how about work? I mean, how did your symptoms affect your work? Well, at that point, I had to give up work. I spent about two years where I spent uh, about 80% of my day in bed. I was working for myself. This was before I became a teacher. Mm -hmm. So prior to my surgery, um, I basically became a stay-at-home mom who spent most of her time in bed. I didn't have a life. No, you didn't. And what happened to your family life? I had an infant and a toddler at the time, which made it very difficult. Yeah. I, if I didn't have my mother and my mother-in-law, I never would have made it through. Mm-hmm. And my husband was extremely supportive. Uh, he had my back 100% of the time, but you know he had to work. Sure. He was our only source of income. So I had to really rely on my mother and my mother-in-law to yeah. really get through on my father. If it wasn't with them, my kids probably would have starved. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad they were there for you. Jean, let's talk about the therapies that you used before the vagus nerve stimulation device. And let's start with duloxetine, brand name Cymbalta. Was that helpful? I did Cymbalta. Didn't do anything for me at the time. I didn't. Well, how about pregabalin, uh, brand name Lyrica? The Lyrica did help. I had to work my way up to my dosage, which at the time was about 350 milligrams a day. Uh-huh. Uh, but the Lyrica made me gain a lot of weight. Yeah, I've had patients say the same thing about Lyrica and also about the sister drug called gabapentin, brand name Neurontin. 
Now, Gene, uh, I know you didn't have a chance to try milnasopran, a uh, brand named Savella, which is also FDA-approved for fibromyalgia, along with the Cymbalta and the Lyrica. But you did try some relaxation techniques, as well as Tai Chi. How effective were those? Um, they helped in one regard. It, it kept me calmer, which helped my children, but it didn't eliminate the pain. Uh-huh. For my, my daughters in particular, you know, I would drop something on the floor and I was so frustrated I would just start screaming because I couldn't bend over to pick it up. Wow. And so I was relying on a two-year-old to pick things off the floor for me. Yeah. The frustration level was so high that um, it just kind of came out as screaming. Yeah, no, it's understandable. How about uh, Tramadol, brand name uh, Ultram? Was that helpful? Tramadol, I still take. I love Tramadol. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at that point, it, I was taking about 16 a day, wow. which is extreme amounts. Mm-hmm. And now I take two a day oh. post-surgery. Well, I mean, that's impressive. So you're just taking two Tramadol tablets per day after the vagus nerve stimulator implant. Yes. Wow, that's fantastic. How about uh, opioids, you know, medications like uh, morphine or fentanyl or oxycodone? I did those too, and without much relief. I have patients with fibromyalgia who do physical therapy. I mean, I try to encourage them to do physical therapy, but it's tough because they're in so much pain. Did you find physical therapy uh, useful? You're in pain. The doctors tell you you have to be physically active, which causes more pain. Yeah. So whether you're moving or not moving, you're in pain. But if you don't physically move, then you're your muscles cramp up, and basically your body wants to get into more or less the fetal position. And my, my hands wouldn't open, so my hands would always clamp shut every day. I would basically hold my arms and my legs close up to my body because that was the only thing that was comfortable. Mm-hmm. If I was laying down, I was locked in the fetal position, basically. And it's one of those things where the doctor said to me, you know, you have to move to keep flexible, but the movement increases your pain. So you're in a catch-22. It is a catch-22. And Jean, given what you just said, did you ever reach the point of feeling completely hopeless? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, cry. spent a lot of time crying, a lot of time just in bed because I couldn't deal. Mm-hmm. I never got suicidal. I never got um, depressed in the point that life was over and done with. I always have a glimmer of hope, but that's my personality. Mm-hmm. You know, and having kids, you really have no choice. You have to go on for them. Right. So, you know, no matter how much pain I was in, I had to do it if, you know, my husband wasn't home, if my parents weren't around to help me and my mother-in-law, you had to take care of things yourself. Yeah. So you just kind of grinned and bear it and just went ahead and did it. Well, Gene, how long, though, did you have to grin and bear it and, and feel that sense of hopelessness? Well, I didn't have the implant surgery until 2008, so over six years. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah. Now let's talk about how you found out about vagus nerve stimulation. And by the way, although it's not approved for pain, it is approved by the FDA for treatment-resistant epilepsy and depression. I actually was getting a magazine. I was a newsletter called um, Five Rounds of Network. Mm-hmm. And they are the ones who actually contacted me to let me know that the study was taking place because it was at UMDMJ in Newark, which is my back door, basically. Okay. And um, they had said to me, you know, you're within the commuting distance. Um, you might as well go and check it out. And if they hadn't contacted me, I probably would never have known about it. Well, so you enrolled in a study then that assessed vagus nerve stimulation for treatment-resistant uh, fibromyalgia at a medical school in New Jersey. What made you decide to give it a try, though? I figured I had nothing else to lose. The way they explained it to me was that it was going to be a pretty intensive pre-trial 
testing to see if you even qualified. Because one of the big things is you could not be suffering from depression. Otherwise, I wouldn't even let you into the study. Okay. You had to have tried many other methods with no success. Mm -hmm. And you had to be willing to undergo the surgery with no promises. Sure. I mean, that part is scary. But in your situation, you really didn't have much of a life. And Jean, did you continue certain medications during the study? Yes. I continued with the Lyrica and I continued with the Tramadols, but I started dropping um, the amounts down. Well, fantastic. Please join us for part two when we find out how the vagus nerve stimulator was implanted, what side effects Jean experienced, and what a life-changing therapy vagus nerve stimulation has been for her. Gene, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Up next is Dr. Benjamin Nadelson, professor of neurology at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, a global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Visit TameThePain.com to learn about treatment options for chronic pain. Teva, a leading global pharmaceutical company committed to increasing access to high-quality health care by developing, producing, and marketing affordable generic medicines, as well as innovative and specialty pharmaceuticals. Millennium Health is a leading health solutions company that delivers accurate, timely, clinical actionable information to inform the right treatment decisions for each patient at the right time. Millennium offers a comprehensive suite of services to better tailor patient care. More information is available at www.millenniumhealth.com. My Life Patient Program and DC2 Healthcare. Connecting patients to top physicians in the United States, reaching the highest standard of patient care through research patient programs and gains in overall health. For more information, please visit mylifepatientproject.com and dc2healthcare.com. Dr. Benjamin Nadelson is a neurologist, researcher, and clinician. His focus is on improving the lives of patients with widespread pain and conditions like fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. He directs the Pain and Fatigue Center at Mount Sinai Beth Israel in New York City. Dr. Nadelson, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. Now, the vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve. We're going to talk about vagus nerve stimulation. But first, tell us a bit about where the vagus nerve is located. It starts uh, actually in the brain and then comes down through the brain uh, through the neck where it's most concentrated. Mm -hmm. Some fibers of it go behind the ear to join that major nerve in the neck. And then it branches wildly throughout the body going to the heart, the blood vessels, the gut, and every smooth muscle in our body. So for women, it's the uterus also, etc. All smooth muscle. Yeah, great description. I mean, it controls things like uh, heart rate, uh, gastrointestinal movement called peristalsis, sweating, and even some of the skeletal muscles, as opposed to the smooth muscles, uh, related to the larynx. So it's important for speech. Yes. Yes. And as you mentioned, has these sensory fibers that provide sensation to the inner part of the ear uh, by means of a branch called the auricular branch. Now, Dr. Nadelson, I think something like 80% of the vagus nerve or, or vagus nerve fibers are afferent and, and help convey uh, visceral, somatic, and taste sensations. So it's certainly a huge afferent. Uh, afferent means going from all these organs we've talked about up to the brain, 
So, you know, when, when you have a huge meal and feel uncomfortable, that's because your gut has been distended and uh, your brain can sense it mm-hmm. by the same vagus nerve. Right. And uh, if you um, uh, are someone who is frightened when your blood is drawn, your vagus nerve may suddenly turn on as you become frightened and your heart rate gets so slow that you actually faint something called the vasovagal attack. Right, and that's happened to me more than once. <laughs> right, so you're a victim. <laughs> I am a victim. So the vagus nerve has uh, carries traffic from the peripheral part of the body up to the brain and from the brain down to the periphery also. Absolutely, and what you described there would be the efferent uh, system, that is, the efferent nerve fibers carry nerve impulses away from the central nervous system, that is, the brain or the spinal cord, to muscles, for example, to glands and to organs. It also seems like uh, there's been recent work, there have been recent studies that have suggested that the vagus nerve serves as a conduit, if you will, for lots of sensory information and probably painful impulses that are going into the central nervous system. Now, Benjamin, the vagus nerve stimulation device has been approved by the FDA to treat drug-resistant epilepsy since 1997 in the United States and in Canada, and since, I think, 1994 in Europe. How effective is it for epilepsy? Extremely for drug-resistant epilepsy. Can you imagine if you have a seizure disorder where you are suddenly felled, you lose consciousness, you shake all over, and you're on large amounts of medicine and these spells continue. Uh, In the past, neurosurgeons could do some major neurosurgery to disconnect parts of the brain or actually remove parts of the brain. Uh, But this uh, technique Uh, which really is nowhere near as invasive or dangerous, produced a striking reduction in uh, these seizures in patients. And so it's FDA approved for that. Yeah, I mean, that's wonderful. I mean, it's a fantastic therapy for epilepsy. And then it was approved uh, for chronic or recurrent depression in 2005. What have those outcomes been like? The studies are not as clear as the ones in epilepsy. And so insurance is not currently paying for that treatment. Uh, although it may, if further studies are done, to prove its efficacy. Okay. Now, there are associations between the vagus nerve and many different brain functions involved with the perception of pain. Uh, And I think that's why vagus nerve stimulation may be useful in treating a variety of pain conditions like fibromyalgia, for example. And in fact, there have been studies in animals that have shown that vagus nerve stimulation inhibits painful impulses traveling in the spinal cord. When we come back from the break, we'll find out why Dr. Nadelson decided to study vagus nerve stimulation for fibromyalgia. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. Purdue Pharma, making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives. Reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter or like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Welcome back to the show. We're here with Dr. Benjamin Nadelson, professor of neurology at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai. Dr. Nadelson, uh, what led you to decide to do a study on vagus nerve stimulation for fibromyalgia, like the one that our previous guest, Gene Haas, participated in? 
we were impressed by the fact that a couple of studies in epilepsy reported that uh, migraine pain got better and overall pain in some patients got better. Okay. So it appears that the treatment may be useful in migraine. Right. And there have been also studies on the benefits of uh, surgically implanted vagus nerve stimulation for both migraine and even cluster headaches. Right. And those also showed efficacy. Okay. Now, you did a study on the safety and tolerability of vagus nerve stimulation in treatment-resistant fibromyalgia and also gained some preliminary information on efficacy. Tell us briefly about the study. We did not require patients to come off of any medicines prior to study. Okay. I mean, that's fortunate because it's hard to get patients to stop medications that are helping them. So, in fact, it seems that you viewed uh, vagus nerve stimulation as an add-on therapy to the medications. And now, Benjamin, give us an overview of of what was implanted and where it was implanted exactly. The uh, surgeon made an incision in the neck, uh, put the electrode around the vagus nerve, which is right next to your uh, pulse, which you can feel in your neck, Mm -hmm. and then put a wire under the skin, under the left breast, or sort of in the armpit, where the battery would be placed. So the battery would be about uh, six inches away from the actual nerve. That would then let us put a program wand over the battery and adjust the parameters of stimulation as needed during the trial. Okay, so it's somewhat similar to the spinal cord stimulators that that I would implant, for example. Now, how frequently did patients use the stimulator? I mean, were they using it periodically for 24 hours a day? The device was programmed to go on 30 seconds every five minutes around the clock. Mm -hmm. There are six minutes of stimulation per hour. So that was quite a bit. Well, it doesn't seem like it because those who have spinal cord stimulators use them all the time. Maybe it's more specific, though, to the neck versus, say, the uh, spinal cord for lower extremity pain or for upper extremity pain. Now, Dr. Nadelson, how effective was vagus nerve stimulation in reducing pain and improving the quality of life of those with fibromyalgia? The results blew me away. I have never seen an effect as positive as this. Not only did the patients report that their pain improved, Mm -hmm. five of the patients at least lost the diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Wow. Some of these patients then lost their widespread pain. They still had pain, but it wasn't all over their body. And they still had tenderness. Not only did they report they were better, not only did they cut down on opioids, but they also lost some of the stigmata that are used to diagnose fibromyalgia. I mean, I really think that's remarkable. I haven't seen any medications or other treatments to date that have achieved such an effect. Now, I know that the study was not controlled, meaning that that every patient knew they were getting vagus nerve stimulation and there was no placebo. Nevertheless, those results are extremely promising. As a a researcher and a scientist, I have to put the proviso in that we needed to do a, uh, a controlled trial. And frankly, Paul, we weren't worrying about the mechanism of action so much as does it work? And if it works, how much? Right, exactly. Now, Benjamin, I know that you were interested in improvement in fibromyalgia symptoms. So how long did you study these patients? There was some evidence for improvement over the subsequent uh, nine months. We, we really intensively studied these people for a year and then followed them for another year, but not as intensively. Mm-hmm. And the biggest bump was from turn on to three months and then further improvement from three to 12 months, but nowhere near as marked. 
which is exciting. It is exciting. And Jean mentions in our upcoming show that she experienced that continual improvement that you mentioned, and I think even beyond those three months. You know, this has been an eye-opening discussion, which will continue in part two. You'll want to hear just how vagus nerve stimulation transformed not only Jean's life, but others in Dr. Nadelson's study, the side effects of the surgery, and the promise of transcutaneous vagus nerve stimulation for pain. Dr. Nadelson, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And thanks, everybody, for listening. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.